Greetings, Starfighters. Thank you for tuning into Ruined Childhoods. My name's Dan, and my co-host and brother is John. John, how are you doing? I'm doing well. We are recording in a in a morning session, so my uh, my, vo- uh, my voice is still a little groggy, and I've got the coffee flowing, so feeling good. How are you, Dan? I'm doing I'm doing well. I love our I I love when we get to record on a. a during a daytime session, I just I feel like when we do our evening recordings, it's like the last like the battery. I There's like one bar of battery power. Yeah. And and sometimes, it, honestly, it, I mean, like, you know, I make it to the end, but the battery definitely runs out. Not that anybody would be able to tell. Right, listeners? Oh, no, of course not. Nobody <laughs> is agreeing with me right now. So welcome. If you're if you are a first time listener, because Ghost is like your favorite movie and you listen to every podcast about ghost first may i compliment your taste secondly uh we are a podcast that talks about films of the past whether they i mean we've run the gamut from cult films to blockbusters to franchises we just did planet of the personal favorites personal favorites and and you know and then we kind of spitball about you know how would reboots and revivals and all sorts of things, sequels, prequels, like, hey, here's a prequel to a movie from 25 years ago. And like, wow, and we're bringing back the original cast. And, uh, you know, that's really that's in vogue now. It's been in vogue for a few years now. And, uh, you know, we're kind of like, hey, if if you had to do it, if they give you the money, you know, to quote Hulk Hogan, what you going to do? To quote Hulk Hogan. Well, yeah, what you gonna do when Hulkamania runs wild on you is the rest oh, of the quote. I was like, what I, you gonna do? Doesn't everybody say that? Not the way. What you gonna do, brother? Oh my god. If you said brother in it, then yes, oh, I, I would have been like, oh yeah, that's professional Hulk wrestler Hulk Hogan. Wow, this is two episodes in a row. We're talking about professional wrestling. Can we do it in a in a third next week? We'll see. Well, and and the reference brings us back to, of course, uh, because that is a reference to the Key and Peele sketch about Gremlins 2, um, a sequel uh, that we've talked about and that is beloved to not just John and I, but um, many people. But yeah, yes. So bringing it back today, we're talking about Ghost 1990, a summer, a summer release I remember when it came out. Do you remember the release of Ghost being a few I years younger than rem- me? I don't remember the release of Ghost, but I remember the hysteria. People were going wild for Ghost. It was like, it seemed to me, and I don't know if it's because at the time I was, what, seven, and it was just like, 
oh, if people are talking about it, then that means that it's a huge thing that's going to be talked about for the rest of my life. But in this case, it's true. Uh, but that's the way it kind of feels when you're a kid. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, when just everyone's talking about one thing. Right. And and right. Sometimes it certainly does turn out, uh, you know, the other way. But, uh, you know, Ghost has, uh, you know, kind of like remained there, it, it, you know, it's kind of one of those movies that I think sometimes gets forgotten, but then, um, really? well, I don't know. I, I, it's not like when you think about when, I mean, all right. I don't know how many people have discussions about like Academy Award nominees from the years 19, from the year 1990, like other than us, but you know, when you talk about the movies of that year and you talk about like, you know, like the summer blockbusters of that year, I feel like come down to, uh, you know, RoboCop 2, as we uh -huh. talked about, Die Hard 2. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some others uh, that year. I remember that summer being a like uh, Dick Tracy, Dick Tracy. Oh, uh, that was that summer, that, right? That, that was did, that we summer. Did, we did that one. That was that summer. And it's kind total of Total like, Recall. Total Recall. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Also referenced on our, our RoboCop episode. Yeah. Um, so, but then Ghost, uh, you know, comes along and it's kind uh, of- I'm look Sorry, I'm just looking at the list of, you know, summer really- we have Back to the Future 3. Yes. Days of Thunder- Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Not summer, but that was, you know, Pretty Woman, uh, another but pretty, 48 but hours to a lesser extent. Reference. Yeah, it was the summer of mediocre sequels. Arachnophobia. It was the summer of mediocre sequels and sleeper hits because arachnophobia. Gremlins to the new batch. Oh, OK. Gremlins to the new batch is <laughs> is, is anything but a mediocre Young Guns sequel. Two. Young Guns 2 is also a perhaps superior sequel, as we've wow, talked I'm about. I'm just looking at this list and I'm just like, how many of these have we covered on oh, the podcast? So Exorcist, three, Exorcist Flatliners. 3, Flatliners. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like this odd summer, especially coming after summer of 1989 which was huge with batman uh -huh. at the edge of the last crusade and uh, uh friggin like the abyss things like that so yeah. honey i shrunk the kids ghostbusters 2 so on and so forth and now just like let's take all of the ingredients here of of ghost and just kind of like put them on paper and then kind of like be like oh wow this really was a gamble because you have a ghost story Okay. That's a romance. I mean, I like there's romance in it. It is not I don't consider it a romance. There's a mystery like it's a like a murder mystery involving a a ghost. It is but it is a story. Okay, I'm I'm going to stop you there because okay. it is a story about it might not be a romance story in the sense of like the idea behind it is a romantic connection, but it is a love story in the sense that there is a decision made, and we'll do a whole synopsis, but there's yes. a decision made by Patrick Swayze's character to stay in the human Earth realm because of his partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. It just, so you're, what I'm doing here is just kind of like listing the ingredients okay. here. So, because, because yes, they're like... Well, love. I also... I sorry to also interject again, but you also have to keep in mind that this is coming shortly after Beetlejuice which is another story that's told from the ghost's perspectives that's just, you know, a couple years earlier 
it's a comedy where this does have comedic moments. Well, but that also gets into that is actually very specifically what I what I read in my limited research was one of um, screenwriter Bruce, Bruce Joel Rubin's yeah. hesitations because he thought that Jerry Zucker was going to turn it into Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And because Jerry Zucker up until this point was known for was famous for and had really only done you know the naked gun uh airplane kentucky fried movie top secret i mean i think that 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 i think was his filmography at that point because this is also coming a year before uh naked gun two and a half which we'll we'll get to uh ruthless people oh right yes i forgot ruthless people yeah oh how can i forget ruthless people uh so you've got jerry zucker who is known for these you know absurd over-the-top comedies ruthless people being like the most subtle of them yeah absolutely and well that one was you know danny devito bet midler right yeah, it was that it was, you know, mid 80s. And then you've got in the screenwriter who really hadn't, I think, had like a, a feature film made yet. And like the, who's starring in it? You've got Patrick Swayze, who I think his last film before this was Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Demi Moore, who was kind of like transitioning from Still that like Brat, brat Pack. Packy. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I remember uh, again reading that like they liked her for the role because of the movie The Seventh Sign. Yeah. Which I've never seen, but actually reading this about it made me interested because I really like Demi Moore in this film and I mm. really like the choices that she made in this film. And some of like some of them were her the short hair. They didn't know she was yeah. gonna have short hair until she showed up to film. But I it works. It, like a sculptor, you know. <laughs> Makes yeah. sense, would have short hair. And it totally works for the character. And then Whoopi Goldberg actually was cast because Patrick Swayze wouldn't yeah. do it if she wasn't cast. And I'm right. bravo, you know, thank you. I will pour many out for you, Patrick. So anyway, on paper, this movie is kind of like, uh, I don't know what we do. Like Patrick Swayze's got the credibility in terms of the, the yeah. romantic lead from Dirty Dancing. Yeah. I'll tell you some things that I learned. I watched it with the commentary with Jerry Zucker and Bruce Joel Rubin. Brilliant. And uh, what I found out, and I'm not saying it like I made this great discovery, but what they were saying was that, you know, according to Bruce Joel Rubin, this script was floating around at Paramount. And I, I mean, he sold it to Paramount and it was kind of like it didn't really have a home. What's when up, you Dan? When you say floating around, is the pun intended? When I say floating like around. Like a ghost floating oh, around. ghost. I was like, ah. what are you talking about? Okay, so uh, it was going around and everybody who read it was like, this is the best script. It was definitely heralded as being an exceptional script. Mm. Something that was different from anything else that was going around. This is and, true. Yeah, and uh, there were a lot of other actors who were considered, approached for it, that turned it down. You know, all of the big stars, Tom Cruise, all of the, you know, everybody. And when Bruce Joel Rubin found out that Jerry Zucker was being, you were saying earlier, when he found out that Jerry Zucker was chosen to be the director, he was terrified. I'm going to tell you from what, at least in the year 2000, when they recorded this commentary, Jerry Zucker and Bruce Joel Rubin were saying nothing but the nicest things about each other. And about how amazing their working relationship was. 
and how this movie would not have been what it was had it not been for Jerry Zucker, because there were things that were in the original script that were really wacky. And if you think that Jerry Zucker is going to be the one that's going to tame things down, (laughs) you know, everybody would be surprised about that. But he's the one that really dissuaded a lot of the things that kind of took you out of the film that were in the original script. I I remember I read I read about some of that as well. And I can't remember. Oda Mae Brown's descent into also uh, like her being a real psychic to yes, her, her being her, a real psychic yeah, to her mm-hmm. being you know i, I guess well, well she is a real psychic but yeah, yeah but to her be thinking she's a a fraud yeah so why don't i do a little synopsis and by little yes. i mean a lengthy one one of my more lengthy ones because i get into a little bit more detail on this one because uh i watched it twice yesterday so, you know, I was actually I was I was really hoping to get a second viewing in. I was hoping to get a commentary viewing in. It didn't happen. So so here's what happened. It's as as of this record, it's streaming on Max. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I also reserved the Blu-ray at the library, but it hadn't yet. My hold hadn't come to like my library yet. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just watch the movie because I was hoping to watch it with commentary. Mm-hmm. But I watched the movie. And it's great. It's Ghost. I've seen it, I don't know, a handful of times before and really enjoyed myself. And then last night, my library hold still hadn't been processed yet. And I knew we were recording this morning. And so I found a podcast that just has the audio commentary on it. Does it remind you of last week when I was watching the RoboCop Criterion commentary uh, through YouTube audio? It, so I had, it, it, so I had, so I had headphones. I had headphones in <laughs> listening to the commentary with my TV muted, synced up perfectly. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was thinking I I actually thought about it briefly before. I was like, I wonder if I can just like I can't sit down and watch it, but I'm like, is there somewhere where I could just listen to the commentary? Yeah, I found it. And like I just watched the movie. I'll know what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, I like watch I like listening to it while watching the movie so that I can, you know, if they're not specifically describing what they're referring to to be able to see it and be like Right. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course it's that. Uh also it's just like it's a great movie. It's just so good. Oh. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, anyway, okay. uh synopsis. Synopsis. Sam and Carl are young Wall Street yuppies rapidly climbing the corporate ladder. But what Sam doesn't know is that Carl is in the process of laundering $4 million worth of drug money using Sam's banking credentials. In an effort to steal Sam's little passcode book, a staged robbery by a local no-goodnik turns into murder, and Sam is shot dead during a night out with his live-in girlfriend, Molly. Molly is a sculptor and ceramicist, and her life is turned upside down by Sam's seemingly random murder. All of this is witnessed by Sam, who is now a ghost. After discovering his murderer breaking into their downtown loft, Sam follows him back to Brooklyn, where he uncovers funny business between his murderer, who he discovers is named Willie, and Carl. When Sam sees a storefront psychic, he takes his chances and attempts to use her to speak to the living. After an entire lifetime pretending she has the abilities to connect with the spirit realm, this is Otome's first time connecting with an actual ghost. Sam convinces Otome to call Molly to warn her of the dangers coming her way. But when Molly takes his information to the police, they turn it all around on Otome, a proven con artist. Molly confides in Carl, who vows to pay Willie a visit. 
Sam follows Carl to Willie's apartment, only to discover that Carl hired Willie to carry out these crimes that got, that got him killed and are putting Molly in even more danger. Back at the office, Sam finds out that Carl is transferring the money into an account under the name Rita Miller. Knowing that she's the only person who can hear him, Sam convinces Oda to go to the bank and withdraw the funds as Rita Miller so that Carl's plan gets ruined. In order to get the money out of their lives, he makes Oda May endorse the check and give it to a group of nuns. All the while, Sam has been taking movies, sorry, movies. Sam has been taking moving shit lessons from a disgruntled ghost he encountered in the subway. After discovering that the funds are all gone, Carl loses his mind, which makes Sam the happiest he's been since before his death. Sam also takes this opportunity to use his new moving shit skills in order to taunt Carl. Back at Molly's place, she gets a visit from a frazzled Carl who gets the shit beaten out of him by Sam. But first, Molly tells him that Otome is actually a woman named Rita Miller, which she discovered after a chance near encounter at the bank. Not able to see him, Carl knows that he's being haunted by Sam's ghost. Thinking quick, he threatens to kill Molly if he doesn't get the money later that night. After Carl rushes out, Sam rushes to Otome's to warn her that she's now in danger. Spoiler alert section! So skip ahead if you don't want to hear how it ends. This has been out for a long time, but anyway. Sam taunts Willie to the point that he runs away in fear, getting hit by a car and quickly killed. Sam and Oda May rush back to Molly's place, and Sam is able to prove that he's really there by moving a lucky penny up a door. After a tender moment, Carl finds his way back to Molly's, and thinking that Oda May still has the $4 million check, attempts to kill them both unless he gets the money back. Ultimately, Carl meets his demise and is finally able to see his best friend Sam again before he's carted off to the bad place by a group of shadow demons. So, famously, Patrick Swayze is Sam Wheat, Demi Moore is Molly Jensen, Whoopi Goldberg is Oda Mae Brown, Tony Goldwyn is Carl. Uh, love Tony Goldwyn. He is so good. I remember thinking when I saw. I remember thinking when I saw this, like this guy, like. I, is going to be a like a huge star and uh, I mean he's had a great aside, great aside career. from voicing Tarzan he d- hasn't done a lot more acting acting well the uh, television series Scandal oh probably he did Scandal? most notably yeah he was like one of the he was the president on Scandal oh yeah oh, um yeah, I, no. I'm just gonna quickly uh, do a little role. bit more of the cast list Rick Avilas plays Willie who's amazing yes uh Vincent Chiavelli is the subway ghost uh and Oscar worthy a- Oscar worthy oh, so Vincent Chiavelli and Stephen Root from Robocop <laughs> 3 <laughs> as the Stephen police Root sergeant. from almost everything we've done was Stephen Root in the Truman Show I don't think no. so. No. I feel like, though, if Paul Giamatti hadn't been in the Truman Show, Stephen Root would have been. Uh- Stephen Root is one of the Stevens where, for some reason, I remember that he is a PH and not a V. Correct. Well, because you've seen his name and credits so many damn yeah, times. For like, my entire life. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and one of the fun things that they're saying in the commentary is that, you know, of all the people on set, Tony Goldwyn and Rick Avilas were the most fun to be around. Like the villains were just the most fun. Right. Well, Rick Avilas uh, was a you know stand-up comedian. comedian. Yeah. Yeah. And they were just praising Vincent Chiavelli, just saying like, if anybody like fell into a character, it was, you know, Vincent Chiavelli. So something that I really enjoyed about the movie throughout 
was like what why different ghosts because i was thinking about i was like it's new york city why are there not more ghosts like there can't only be like three people that have really like you know turned down the opportunity (laughs) yeah so uh and this is from you know bruce rubin is just saying that in in this film ghosts ghosts are the ones who are unwilling to let go of their past existence uh, how that apply? I mean, that makes sense for Vincent Chiavelli, who's just like he stays in the subway. He just kind of only is there. What? I imagine that he would be. I, I don't know. I have a question. Maybe th- this was answered yeah. in the commentary because first he said he was pushed and then he was like, you think I jumped? Uh, uh, this was not this was not addressed. Um, okay. I can tell you what my kind of theory is, what my feelings are. Yeah. I I think that it's somebody who is perhaps emotionally unable to come to terms with reality and perhaps that is the reason why they haven't moved on is because they aren't physically able to or aren't mentally able to actually get to that place. Well that's what I was wondering is, is certainly in in 19 you know 90 uh you know plenty of you know, people, I mean, not just New York City, but, you know, everywhere uh, mentally, you know, with mental untreated mental illnesses. And, you know, to me, that could be a um, a reason why there would be that like lack of grasping. Although, but, but it's and it's also because it's his ghost, it's his spirit. I feel like there's there's those moments where like he connects where he's really. you know where he's comfortable doing things like when he's mentoring uh you know patrick swayze so i like and i like it when patrick swayze first like makes contact with like a can and he's just like hey you're getting it kid like it's really actually looks like happy (laughs) so so something that i really so coming back to like what i thought so i thought it was really interesting how and i i never i haven't seen the movie in several years but I I don't think I ever picked up on the nuances between the ghosts. And there's the older gentleman in the hospital who yeah. who I mean it, that one it's obvious because he's waiting for his his wife. Um yeah. and it's like it's really it's really kind of sweet to, that you know like that's the first other ghost sure. he meets. Yeah. I guess it's the only other ghost he meets. I mean other than uh Well, there's the well, of when course, he's in the really room good. with uh, when he's yeah, in Odomaze, after once she's Orlando. able to connect with the ghosts, the ghost realm, you know, it, I don't know, did word just get around and then all the ghosts are kind of going there? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or I, is she just more able now to actually connect? I mean, my sense of it is that it's kind of like you know, she had. She had it because it's, you know, her mother had it, her grandmother had it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that it was kind of like, you know, a jammed window, a, a, yeah. you know, and it just and took Sam someone with enough force to get it open. And that's, you know, Patrick Swayze, driven not just by his love for Molly, but the urgency yeah. of it, gets that window open. And then everybody else is like, oh, an open window in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, let's take a, a moment also to discuss this movie's ghost rules. Yes. Because in any movie where there's ghosts, you have to establish what the rules are because there's no continuity. It's, it's really, something that we will never know. Really well done in this movie. I Well, 
I'd like to also mention, we mentioned before, Beetlejuice, you know, that one also establishes its rules. You have Juno, the caseworker, kind of establishing how things work. Beetlejuice has a handbook. They are, they have a whole handbook. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, it's really interesting uh, the, the ways that they've decided to structure their ghosts. First of all, cats can see you, which makes total sense. Cats, if you, if you were just like, Oh, cats can see ghosts? That explains so much. Yes. Okay. Uh, You can walk on floors and sit on chairs, but you can't move things unless you use all of the built-up emotional energy in your gut to get it out. Now, I wonder, here are my wonderings about these rules, because, you know, it it seems to be a a bit, um, I don't know, random, but I... My take is that we're so accustomed to walking on floors and sitting on chairs that as spirits, we might not actually be doing it, but that's how we, that's what we do. Whereas we're not used to walking through doors Uh, or like kicking cans is not something we do all the time. So... Yeah, we we open up doors all the time. You can I don't know. you can I, walk. You can you can. Yeah, I I guess. All right, I think so that, I guess that logic. when you're sitting in a chair or you're standing on a floor, you're not manipulating the space. Whereas if you're opening up a door, you are manipulating the space. There we go. So um, they they do try to explain it away a little bit in the commentary, but I think that it was more of just like a. Oh yeah, I guess we hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> but but you can kind of figure it out because like the way we're talking it through right now, we're you know you can figure it out. They give you enough. Yeah. So, uh, and then what else do we have? Uh, yeah. When you're, when you turn into a ghost, you're wearing what you wore. You are the age that you were, except there's no bullet holes. There's no blood. There's no anything like that. You're just the person. The the way you that you, you last appeared b- yeah. before whatever happened happened. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then if you possess somebody else's body, which you can do, you're going to get very tired after you leave that body. Yes. So those are the, those are the rules. Did I miss anything? Uh, well, there there's. I mean, it, it's less rules, but more. I like the way that they do, quote unquote, heaven and hell without doing. They don't say heaven, heaven and hell. It's they, it, like it's, you said, the bad place. Yeah, it's yeah. Because, but that's the thing. It's impl- it, that's the, they give you just enough. They're like, okay, this is what happens, and I guess it's kind of like yeah. the way that I. So I I was thinking about it a little bit afterwards, and thinking about because I was uh, you know put on this movie, and I was like, okay, this will be a fun like you know nostalgic watch. And, you know, didn't really expect it to have this. Like when I was a kid watching it, I mean, oh, it was it was amazing. I mean, like I I remember I didn't see it in the theater, but definitely rented it um, from Blockbuster when it came out, because I remember the the gray uh, VHS cassette and own a DVD. I own the DVD, but I don't know that I've ever actually watched it. And I, I mean, I've seen it a few times you know, before, but not, not in a long time. And I looked at that at the end of, of the movie. And this is, I was, I was explaining before that one of my notes, I took voice to text and I never corrected what it said. So I'm Mm going to try to figure this out, but I I was like, okay, the reason why this movie works and why it it can't be defined by a single genre or two genres is that life is, you know, comedic, tragic, scary 
sexy. It is all these things. It can be all these things in one day. And that, you know what? Bad things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Mm -hmm. But what I like about this movie, it's if you are a good person who has suffered in like what this when the suffering ends, it's over. Which is yeah. why, which is, I think, why, you know, also why, you know, there he's bound, you know, these people are are bound. But also, like, if you are a bad person that got away with stuff, you are going to eventually suffer. Oh, forever. If you're a bad person when you're living, that's it. You don't get the you don't get a choice. But especially you if you're away. a bad person who. Yeah. I mean, no, there's no especially like it's we just, have yeah. to imagine that like Vincent Chiavelli's character when he was living, you know. Wasn't a bad person, but who knows how long he's been a ghost. He could have been a ghost since, I don't know, based on what he's wearing, maybe the 60s. Right. Yeah. That, know, I, it, I was wondering that. Yeah. He was and a smoker. We know that. He was a smoker. and But the only thing that we know is like, you know, he's probably been there for a pretty long time. You know, you just see. I love it when you we walk in on him and we see him like looking over the guy's shoulder reading the paper. Yeah. Like, it's just that's just what he does. No, this is. Yeah. Uh, like we right. He's been doing this for probably for decades. Yeah. He's not there to like mess with people or scare people. But you know what? If another ghost ticks him off enough, he's going to rage. Well, if you go on his train. Yeah. Which every train seems to be his train. Whatever train he's on seems to be his train. He, it's not just like he haunts like car 357 of the uptown sea. Yeah. But yeah, I really. So the rules of ghosts in this world really, really nicely established. I feel like the visual effects, especially considering, I, I mean, the I thought the visual effects were for 1990. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. I, and but I, and and it would be distracting if it was more. And I liked the idea. Yeah. I, I I also like one of the other rules was that like if you're moving through an object that like yeah. if you st- like you'll kind of take on its qualities as it's kind of right. like if Sam decided he just wanted to be the door he could just like stand there, perhaps. And yeah, be- it kind of bleeds into your. Aura, whatever it is which that I, you are, which I heard Jerry Zucker came up with that idea, and and that he explained it by dipping a napkin into a oh, cup yeah. of coffee. Did he? Yeah. Did they talk about that on the? Uh, he didn't give that example, but I read that on like IMDb or something. But I thought that that yeah. was it's really smart and it's really it's good to just establish that as a rule because it's a good visual cue for the audience as well. It also shows why it's not just like easy. For him to pass through and why it's like a challenge. I also, John, I love the reality that they just the reality that they establish. And I felt I was trying to think I was like, okay, assuming this really happened, like how believable, like, you know, how much do I believe these reactions? And like from the moment Sam and this, I love how they do Sam's murder because you yeah. hear the gunshot and then you see Willie running away and you see and you, Sam chasing him. Yeah. And he comes and then, you know, and then he comes back and you realize, oh, it's his it's his ghost. Yeah. But his like that disbelief and like, OK, if you were a spirit that was suddenly ruptured from your body, would you notice that? Or would you just if especially if you're in a moment like that where your adrenaline's pumping? Yeah. I'm like that, that I buy it. (laughs) 
Yeah. I buy it. I think everyone's reactions to it and Sam's, you know, hesitance to go through the door or the wall and feeling like he needs to to run through and he needs that impetus to run through to chase yeah. chase Willie after he breaks into the apartment. The cinematography. Oh yeah, it's is beautiful. Beautiful and the yeah. music and the editing and there's and there's one shot. Music is great. Didn't it get nominated for best yeah. score? Yeah. yeah. Maurice Jarre. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I imagine yeah, sure. that's Let's what go it with is. That. And I also I had read that Demi Moore, like one of my favorite shots is, you know, that shot where she's sitting up on the t- at the top of oh, the steps. Yeah. And she's just like drained. It's after she finds out that that Otome is a is a fraud. It uh, yeah, that actually reminded me a lot of uh, Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction flicking on and off the lights. Yes, it definitely had that. It, there were definitely hey, P- uh, Paramount Pictures. I Marie Chiara might have done the music for Fatal Attraction as well. I forget. I think it's just sitting by yourself in weird lighting. And I know? always thought that it was. And here's that penny. And I always thought that it was. I, I thought it was such a great choice to have her just kind of non, just like roll that jar down the steps. Like I don't yeah. give a shit anymore. And that was Demi Moore's choice. Uh, this, it was, yeah. She was scripted to throw it. Right. No, uh, she's very good. Uh, she, you know, one of the greatest on-screen criers out there. Well, that was apparently one of the reasons she was hired was yeah, that she she's, could she's great. she could cry on cue out of either eye. Yeah, she's amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I thought that it was, um, I mean, clearly the cast is amazing. This is what got Whoopi Goldberg, the, uh, the O of her E got. Well, and that's, we got to talk about just, we, I mean, why is Whoopi so perfect in this? Why does Whoopi deserve that Oscar? She really brought something to it that I can't imagine anybody else. I mean, thinking about who else was considered for the role, like I think Oprah was considered and it's like, she, she, Oprah's amazing. Oprah couldn't do that. No. Oh no! And no. also, I love I love that uh, that Otome lives with her two sisters, who she also works with, and they're dynamic with each other when they're watching like Arsenio and yeah. stuff. And oh my god, it's just so fun! I love so, it. So so and and the the two of them and the part where they sign the check over to the nuns. Oh. To yeah. Very, I thought because I thought the dynamic it reminded me of Dolores with the backup singers in the beginning mm-hmm. of Sister Act, and yeah. then with the nuns, I was like, this is just foreshadowing Sister Act, which doesn't come out for another two years, and a, yeah, uh, which also at, I think at this point in its development was starring Bette Midler. <laughs> True. Yeah. So anyway, I thought, and but and what Whoopi Goldberg adds is not just comedy, but it's her style of comedy which blends so well into a into a character it's kind of like i i had pointed out on the truman show with i felt like the jim carrey doing jim carrey things occasionally took me out of it 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 fits here with this character and i just in watching it now and hindsight of course at the time i was like oh she's you know brilliant and she's hilarious but i i still agree and other than lorraine brocco i cannot remember who else was up for best supporting actress that year but Mm -hmm. didn't stand a chance clearly this is an iconic line but man it makes me so happy but when you know sam is trying to tell her like okay now say molly you're in danger and she's like won't you just let me say things the way that i want to say things molly you in danger girl (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Iconic. 
iconic that uh, that in the scene where where Orlando jumps into her body. Damn, baby, what'd you do to your hair? Yeah, what'd you do to your hair? That's it's so good. Autumn Sunrise. I will I, I will throw that one out there knowing that no one's gonna get it sometimes. It's so good. Yeah. Uh I do I We'll talk about this more later, but I do know that there's a well, Channing Tatum has the rights to do a remake. Oh. Yes. Okay. So uh, and part of what the idea is is to correct a lot of the stereotypes yes. that uh, were in the 1990 version. Representation is the one. Representation. Issue, I mean, the here. magical Negro. Yeah. And uh, can you get a better example of a magical Negro than Odame Brown? Bagger Vance. I don't know. Well, no, <laughs> no but no. like magic, yeah. like no, no, no. Seriously, literally, yeah, yeah. That's something where it's it's it sets off some alarms. Well, I, I mean, let's also point. I mean, like the like the fact that like Willie Lopez. Oh well, yeah. As a street hood, I mean, yeah, no, no. The representation issues are very much like, okay, it's 1990, but yes, one of one of the reasons why. Well, our, also, you know, the light versus the dark, the good place versus the bad place. Oh, you know, well, kind of a, yes, you know. yes, yes. All of that. So I do think, um, I mean, is there anything to say before we start talking about uh, remakes? No, well, let's or... let's let's talk about that. So we do have, you know, Channing Tatum, this this was news as of January of this year, uh, has the rights with Paramount and plans to produce, star in, and remake the film, correcting some of the stereotypes. I can't say I'm too mad at that because I love Channing Tatum. I think that it's a little on the nose that somebody who's, you know, hunky muscular. A dancer turned action star. A dancer turned action star. It's a little on the nose. But I love Channing Tatum. I think he's great. And I'd love to see him do. I, I, I know that he's done dramatic roles. I've mostly seen him in the comedic roles that I love him in. But I think that this one where it could like toe the line a little bit could be really interesting. Well, I mean, it's very much, yeah, similar to, to I guess, Swayze, who hadn't done comedy, I think, at that point, really. No, I don't think so. But yeah. had, but really was just kind of like either Dirty Dancing or like actual, outs, Outsiders. I guess he had done Outsiders. So Out, Yeah, but Outsiders was it's still... Dramatic. It's but dramatic. Also, well, action-y. Anyway, yeah. anyway. It, yeah. So, and should also be mentioned, you know, he was cast because, I, I mean, I don't think that he was anybody's first choice we talked about this we started talking about this but uh then there was a a moment where he was crying on like the barbara walters show and it was just like oh this hunky action star can show emotion yeah that's that's pretty amazing and so the idea that there's this this person who has these dualities can pull off something like this and obviously he pulls it off so well i mean what an iconic what are, I mean, a series of iconic roles, I guess, for Patrick Swayze. Yeah. But well, and I re- also I remember reading that it w- that uh, his movement and that he was like they wanted you know like a live like live movement for Sam mm. and that Patrick Swayze's move, which I agree, I think it adds a lot to it. The like his just his awareness of movement, yeah, was great. And yeah, that no, that's true. This comes one year before uh, Point Break. Yeah. Oh man. So good, Classic. yeah. And then, of of course, we then see his uh, his touches with his feminine edge and Tu Wong Fu yeah. some years later. Yeah. Um, so, so and then, 
so yeah, so uh, Channing Tatum, that is something that perhaps we will be seeing. You know, a lot of times you talk about these remakes that are in the works or in talks, but they fizzle out. So who's to say what's going to happen with this? And then uh, Ghost the Musical, starting in 2011. I don't know if it's still touring anywhere, but... I'm sure. It was maybe we'll Broadway do it at the high school. Bit. I don't know. <laughs> I'll do it at the high school. No. Uh, yeah, you have the power to make that happen. It's so it, it's so interesting. Yeah, for uh, any new listeners, I, I work at a high school and direct shows there. And it's funny because there are so many musicals now based on movies that I yeah. grew up with. Uh, but yeah, Ghost the Musical. I don't know. Did you check anything out from it? Oh, uh, I haven't like listened to any of the songs or anything, but... From what it seems like, you know, it was a generally liked show. I think that it was nominated for some, maybe like three Tonys. It's only around for, I think, 130 something shows, which in Broadway terms is like a week. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I remember it. It did not run for very long. It started, but then it in, toured in for. Oh, and... then it toured for a while, and I don't know if it's still showing anywhere it brings up like talking about the musical because i'm sure unchained melody is uh, is got to be in in the musical right uh it has to be i mean unchained melody a a song that was you know uh what over 25 years years old that i think uh, was number one on the charts because of its placement in ghost and the iconic (laughs) pottery love making scene so iconic it was then spoofed by David Zucker, uh, originally just for the trailer for Naked Gun Two and a Half, but it went, it got over so much, they put it into the movie. And and it is awesome with Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla Presley doing that. But anyway, John, there is a TV character, I should say two TV characters that I think of when I think of Ghost that are like seemingly unrelated. And I bring it up because they're significant characters to you. And it's Fraser, okay. Fraser Crane and Lilith Stern and Crane. Okay. Um, so you might remember Cheers fans might remember um, the episode where Rebecca and Robin Colcord get married. Like I think at City Hall, and Robin Colcord, uh, played by Roger Reese, who we talked about yeah. recently, if looks yeah. could kill, if looks could kill. Uh, had I think previously hired like one of the righteous brothers. I know it was like oh, Bill Medley was yeah. one of them. I forget. I, I apologize. I forget the other, the name of the other righteous brother, but, and then um he hires the other righteous brother for their wedding. And it, cause I remember she goes, Oh, you got me the other righteous brother. Right. And they sing yeah. Unchained Melody. And I remember the line is I, Lilith turns to Frazier and says, either this reminds me of the time we saw ghost or the first time we saw ghost. To me, it's a little funnier first time because it's funny to me that the two of them would have seen Ghost multiple times. That tracks for them. Talk about two characters I would love to talk about this movie with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Get the psychological perspective. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. So anyway, with Ghost, I always just I think of uh, because I think that it was like that that season, like that following season that it happened. Uh, But I think of Frasier. (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, But before we before we get too much further into our you know remake or reboot or sequel or whatever ideas i did want to mention that back in the day when i worked on reality tv shows there was a 
I get, was he a network executive or there was just like kind of a, oh no, he was like a fixer that kind of like came in. I was working on a show that just like, it wasn't a good show. And the network like sent in a different like executive producer or something to try to like, you know, make things work. And he had the same like sunken eyed look that Tony Goldwyn has. And he reminded us so much of, Tony Goldwyn that like our code when we were talking about him was calling him Carl. Would he like ask you to turn around for something and then you turn around and he mysteriously has coffee spilled on like the Oh, mid- oh my goodness, Take, takes his shirt off. Not dribbling down his chin or anything, just no. on on his shirt. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the fact that he is trying to seduce Molly and that's that's all very strange. But those scenes, those scenes are so great and they build up to it really well <laughs> where I'm kind of like, all right, Sam doesn't like Sam's not suspicious yeah. or anything until like it's obvious. The And this watching the scene when Sam's ghost is in the room yeah. Um and I love how he gets he he uses the cat he gets the cat distra- to end to cat. disrupt it. Um, it. It's disrupted when he knocks the picture of him. Oh, yeah. and Molly yes. over. Yes, yes, yes. It, no, sorry, the cat was with Willie. Uh, with Will, Willie right. scratches face, which was amazing. Yes. Uh, so in the in the commentary, they said something that you know it's it's so true. But like the idea is like, oh, if you are if you haven't despised Carl yet, you're about to. Like killing, you know, getting his friend killed for this one thing is what I mean, Sam wasn't supposed to die. It was just supposed to be a robbery to get this little book off him to get this code. And it just like really went haywire. So it's kind of like perhaps you could see Carl as being like caught in this situation where he's just like, oh, I feel so awful. I hate this. I'm going to make things right. But he just like doubles down and moves in on Molly. <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, this guy's a pile of dog shit. I hate him so much. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Tony Goldwyn, uh, just, uh, you know, to reiterate, so, so great in that role. So, yeah. And smarmy, you know, Spader level smarmy. Oh, so good. Spader would have been, it couldn't have been Spader because Spader would have been too much of a, of a, it would have been, been too much. Like, it's like from frame one, you see Spader. It's like, oh, whatever. Oh, well, it's, that it's guy's him. a piece of shit. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Tony Goldwyn, you know, we didn't even talk about this, but you know, he, he, he is the, of the Goldwyn family of Metro, Metro Goldwyn, Goldwyn mayor. mayor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah MGM. Samuel Goldwyn's like, uh, grandson. yeah, but he, but he only, he got involved with this movie because his wife was the, I think, production designer. And uh, when they were like going through tapes to see actors about this role, she was like, I think that my husband might be good for this. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, they were just like, who's this guy? Like they didn't know who he was and he wasn't anything at the time. And they saw a tape and they're just like, that's our guy. That's our Carl. And they were so right. He's so good as Carl. And, you know, I don't know if I'll ever if I'll have an opportunity again, but, um, you know, Tony Goldwyn directed a great film called A Walk on the Moon. Um, Mm. I think it's called A Walk on the Moon. It was with Diane Lane and Viggo Mortensen. I want to say Liev Schreiber is in it as well. It's like it takes place like like the summer of Woodstock and like where Diane Lane is married to Leah Schreiber and mm. has an affair with Viggo Mortensen. But yeah, totally worth checking out. Um, good drama. A Walk in the Moon, 1999. Yes, yeah, directorial debut. 
He did a few episodes of The L Word. Love that. The Last Kiss with Zach Braff. Okay, so he did he did some episodes of Dexter. He did an episode of Dirty Sexy Money. I wonder if it's oh. an episode that I was an extra on. Remember that? Remember that show? Yeah, Peter Krause. I liked. I I enjoyed that. Donald show. Sutherland. I liked the first Billy season Baldwin. of that show. Well, there only was one season, I think. Weren't there? Wasn't there a second season? But I, th- I feel like it fell off. Anyway. Um, oh yeah, there was a second season. Yeah. I remember liking the first season. Dirty, of it. sexy it was, money. I love Donald Sutherland, though. I'm. Oh yeah, I'm he's fan. great. Uh, yeah. I, I thought the cast of that was a lot of fun. Oh, great cast! Yeah, it's just well, and then a, it was weird because Arrested show. Development happened a couple of years later, and it was like there were so many. Arrested Development was before Dirty, Sexy Money. Oh, you're right. You're right. It was. Yeah. It was. Never mind. Arrested okay. Development, I know because. I was in college, so it would have been two thousand. It was three. It it was it was two thousand four. It was like oh three oh four. Yeah, yeah, around there. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Stricken from the record. Anyway, Com- commonality: Dan. wealthy people, um, you know, children, uh, and one right. of one of them who's trying to be the good child. So, yes. right. All right. Yeah. Uh, so Dan, let's say Channing Tatum calls you up and says, "Dan, I need your help." What the two? What do the two of you do with this? What you gonna do, brother? Uh, I'd say. Chan- what you gonna do, brother? I, How say- is that not co-opted by the Ruined Childhoods podcast? Is our thing? I wouldn't mess. What with you Hulk gonna Hogan do, brother? On, on uh, copyright infringement. Anyway, uh, so I would. We say, don't want to get gawkered. I would say, Chan. Uh, I was I was thinking the same thing. Ghost definitely needs a remake that is much more representative, not necessarily tokenizing, not for like fill in blank of like, you know, group ghost, you know, like I'm not not black ghost, Asian ghost, gay, just a just real people um, in these in these roles. Um, I would cast great actors in these roles. The only actor that came to mind, and I think because I was just trying to think of non-white yeah. actors, and the only actor that I wrote down that I was like he would be good in this I, in either role, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, okay, yeah, ju- I'm I just like he popped into my head as someone who I'm like I could see him in the Sam role, but also the Carl role. Um, I f- I feel like Daniel Kaluuya. Sorry, I'll let you get I'll let you continue in a second. I feel like Daniel Kaluuya is best when. It, He's acting more with his face and less, you know, with with less dialogue. Yeah. Not to say he's bad at delivering dialogue, but he's so good at expressing emotion without saying a word. Okay. Yeah. That's all. Go on. Fair point. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, you can't, I feel like you got to change a few things. You need to change I, I, the pottery. Like there are some things that need to belong to the 1990s ghost. A hundred percent. Um, so I'm like, what does Molly do? Maybe. And I'm like, what would be interesting? Like, what would kind of be an interesting thing that like you could set up a love scene where it's like kind of a nod and a wink to that, but it's not the same thing. I was like, what if she does video game design? Okay. I was well, and I was and then I was starting to think like, okay, what if it's more like tech? Because there's a definitely finance people, you know. What if you move the setting to San Francisco? Definitely setting, you know, we've talked about San Francisco as like an interesting location um, and a fun location uh, for films, especially, you know, with kind of like a a mysterious uh, edge, you know, kind of like, you know, whether it's a basic instinct or or a vertigo. 
So maybe move it there and Molly, uh, you know, does something in tech, uh, you know, because, you know, whether it's there was something about video game design that I was like, I don't know. There's something about that that kind of works for me. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think a lot of the rest you you can keep. You can keep the money laundering. You can. I mean, it doesn't Evergreen. have to be doesn't have yeah. to be drug money. It, it, it yeah. could be anything else. Um, it could also be drug money. Keep the finance, update the computers, of course. Mm-hmm. I think that you, you know, in terms of, of that aspect of it, it, you could keep that. And it's not like, oh, well, they just they like, oh, well, they did that the same way in the first one, because it's like, well, of course, yeah, he's a banker. That makes sense because he's laundering money. Right. I don't think you need to go to the extent of like in creating entirely new things. Um no. No, I don't think you need to move it out of New York, but I think you can. I think that's something that you could definitely change to give it like, you know, a a fresh coat of paint. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, you could still Molly. uh, I mean, not the video game design isn't creative, but I was like, you could still keep Molly in a creative. She doesn't it doesn't have to be like, you know, she could be a writer. She could could be a woodworker. I think anything where she's where she can work from home and that she needs to have. I because I I also love like I love the the apartment and, um, you know, it's ooh. It's a Sorry, piece of I, shit until they fix it up, which explains probably how they can afford it. Yeah. Uh, especially at that time. What if, okay, so what if she she does like work from home and everything, she works in tech, and she uses the new Apple Vision Pro a- a- AR headset, which has this function where, you know, if you're watching a movie or doing something, whatever, and somebody comes close to you, that person will kind of just like appear. What if you can see ghosts using that what if it detects oh wow spirits so she's just so she's working you can only on... see it with the app it could be an apple tv plus uh original <laughs> um, i know it's a paramount thing it'll probably go to paramount plus but it could be uh you know a co-production with apple well so wait so hold on a second so wait i'm wondering if then if like oda may so maybe molly doesn't work in the vr space maybe oda may is the name of the uh the os or the the ai like siri yeah or it's just siri so it's funny i i i've learned i have to be careful with saying that like even to say seriously I need to oh. say it fast. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, I think during the RoboCop episode, I like you know. It oh yeah, I heard. I heard summoned, I, summoned her. Uh, yeah, I it, heard. I heard some digital assistant gets summoned, so, and so, I had to get rid of that audio. Uh, so, so actually, so that would be interesting with Odame being like an AI. Yeah, I kind of like that because then you're also not tasked with trying to fill the shoes of Whoopi Goldberg in that role. Absolutely. Which, yeah, that that would you'd have to go completely different from Whoopi in no matter what you do. No, but but that's a really I like that. That's that that's interesting. It gets a little. Uh, it's almost making me think of Lawnmower Man. But well, it's yeah. It's also you know sure Black Mirror. <laughs> uh, I like I I like there I, could be something to it. There I do like I do like the idea. I do like that idea, and I'm trying to think of like you know I I think it 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 gets the the point across. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, different, different type of medium. Yeah. So let's say Channing Tatum doesn't, doesn't like my proposal. What do you have? Pass. For I'll go to the other one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's hard to say because I know that there's been, uh, 
I would say countless, but surely there's a number, but so many different ghost themed, not like ghost, the movie theme, but actual like ghosts, you know, uh, pieces of media or pop culture. And so I don't know if anything like this already exists, but I think that there be, this would make a good series where perhaps each season it's a different ghost that does have this like unfinished business or like, oh, yeah. that's, you know, that is the only way to unlock solving some sort of crime. And Dan, on our last episode, you mentioned the show Fringe. And I was mm-hmm. kind of seeing it like in a in a fringe kind of a way. Maybe there's some some sort of like crime in each one that needs to be solved. And there's this one medium, an an Otome type, yeah. somebody who can connect with the dead in order to right these wrongs. And so yeah, that's kind of where I went with it because this isn't one where, and we'll see what Channing has to say about it, but to do something that's just like, okay, well, this is your Carl and this is your Sam, like to do that, I don't think would work as well as like taking it in a different direction. And one of the things that, you know, makes this movie work so well is the Otome character. It's that the touchstone where you get your comedic moments. It's where you get your explanations of how things work in a lot of ways. Mm. Also, the fact that she's kind of like she's a con woman for her career, you know, and most of the time until now, which I guess now she can actually do it. But you know yeah. who and and well, so it's interesting because I, I you know thought about the series approach, especially because that's so likely to happen yeah. uh especially with every studio having its own streaming service and just reviving its properties i think one of the reasons why i went for like just straight up feature remake was mm-hmm. the kind of the emotional arc of the original film and yeah so like story wise i really like your idea of having like where each season is a different like a mystery yeah. that has to you know similar to the movie um, you know, but not the same. I really, I like that in terms of like a series that I would watch and that's an interesting take yeah. on the formula. Uh, but I was thinking about just like the emotional impact of, of the movie. I felt like with that, I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I, even from the watching the beginning of the movie, I was like, knowing where this movie is going, I'm, I'm like this, it really works as that kind of a ride. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I love the idea of... Um, I think that when you have a movie where you have your two hours to tell your story, to have those characters go through those emotional arcs and to tell, you know, to focus on like the romance, for example, it works because you don't have too much time for it to like get messy and weird right. and lose track of it, you know. And it gets weird when we get Whoopi and Demi. Uh, well... No. Well, it doesn't. Well, let's no, no, talk about gets... that. Let's talk about that for one second, because I wanted to mention an article that I saw on IndieWire this morning. I wasn't looking for something like this. It appeared to me. We are recording this. This will come out in June. It's it's Pride. It's Pride Month. Yeah. And there is an article that was like, these are the gayest movies that aren't gay. And we have our, our whoopee representation. We have our Swayze representation with uh, Sister Act and Roadhouse. Now, surprised that Ghost wasn't on there especially since you have a a man embodying a woman's body to then have they don't have a romantic encounter they no. have an emotional encounter yes 
Yes. Uh, and so I, to me, I felt like, you know, that's a, a moment that I would think should get it onto some sort of list or give it some sort of recognition or maybe some, some more analysis about like, well, what does that mean for this movie? What does that mean in this world? That in 1990, you have a very emotionally tender, tender scene that's being acted by a black female actress and a white female actress. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, and I feel like they did it in a really tasteful way where first you just see her hands holding you know, Whoopi's hands holding Demi's hands, and then you just go to Demi, and then the rest of it is Patrick Swayze, where you know that the body is Whoopi Goldberg, right. but but you've yeah, you've also we are bought into this, this all. They've set again back to the rules. They've yeah. set it up so well now that we 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 know you know we we, we know see it's everything. Happening. Yeah. So another. Yeah. Okay. So we see we see Sam. Throughout the entire movie, we see his his ghost body, with the exception of the times where he's like messing with people, or you know, where you know he's typing on the computer yeah. or writing "boo" in the mirror, which I love. Great, I love the way that he does that to Willie, just to like completely mess up. to write "boo" in a foggy mirror. Brilliant, love it. Uh, and then, yeah, the 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 whole methodology between when and when we don't see Sam, it works. Yeah. It works. And, you know, when he's in the the office with Carl and he like kicks back on the chair and goes goes across the office a little bit. And first you see him in the chair and then the other shot, you don't see him in the chair. It's like you're switching to Carl's perspective for a second. You're switching to Willie's perspective when you see Boo written in the mirror. Like, yeah, those are so effective. And I I, I really appreciate that. It but, serves it yeah, all no. up. It serves it all up for you. You know, great movie. We often, you know, coming back to the Academy Award nominees of of that year, you know, Ghost was up against the eventual winner, Dances with Wolves, The Godfather mm-hmm. Part Three, Goodfellas, and I believe Green Card, which also featured uh, Rick Aviles. You know what? Have we ever done a Depardieu? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Do we do a Depardieu? <laughs> <laughs> wow. How how does Green Card come up several times on this podcast in the past like three episodes? Well, eventually we'll have to Depardieu it. So well, we will have to Depardieu But it. not on our next episode. No, Dan, tell us what we will be doing on our next episode. On our next episode, we will be uh, stock up on your spinach, man. We're going to watch Popeye. We're going back to 1980. Robert Altman directing uh, Robin Williams in the title role. Is this our first Altman? Shelley Duvall. Uh, It is our first Altman and are you, Altman. are you a, are you a, are you an Altman fan? I th- I think that in preparation for this next one, I'm going to watch a lot more Altmans. I don't know if I've seen a lot of Altmans. Okay, all right. Um, I would call I've seen my Popeye a lot. I have not seen him. We'll talk more about him on the next episode. But I have I, I haven't seen all of his films. Would definitely you seen recommend all of his films. Altman, all all of Altman. I would highly recommend The Player, of course. Right. Nashville, MASH, those are kind of the the Altman oh, essentials. I love Gosford sorry, Park. Sorry, we have done an Altman. We did the long goodbye. Yes, we did the long goodbye, Of course, which is kind yeah. of an atypical Altman. Right. So, yeah, Popeye, I an think, alt. has... 
I mean, Altman. it's an Alt Altman. Yes, we'll talk about it next time. But I do believe Popeye has a more in common with the typical Altman films. Also, I'm some very, you... very interesting behind the scenes. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, crazy yeah. production there. Absolutely. Featuring the music of Harry Nilsson. Yes. You know, Dan, I'm just going to tell everybody right now. Here are the ones that I, I'm planning to watch in preparation for Popeye, the Altmans. I've seen MASH. I want to watch it again. Brewster McLeod, I've never seen. McCabe and Mrs. M- McCabe and Mrs. Miller, I've never seen. Uh, Nashville, I've seen, but it's been a long time. I feel like those are the ones where it's like, well, you got to see those, right? McCabe and Mrs. Miller, I, it's it's interesting. I've I, I, guilty confession. I've tried. I have not. Oh, not, okay. Not be. I I just feel like there, I feel like if I if I had nothing to do and went to a movie theater to go see it. I feel like that's how I need to see McCabe and, and Mrs. Mm-hmm. Miller. Other Altman films, I can put on Shortcuts is a great one. Yeah. I mean, I think you're looking mostly at pre-Popeye stuff. Pre-Popeye, but who knows? Maybe I'll throw in a Dr. T and the women. You know, I don't mind Dr. T and the women. I don't mind Cookie's Fortune. Cookie's, Cookie's Fortune, Fortune is a fun Altman. Prairie Home Companion, his last yeah. film. Also a lot of fun. Very good. So, but, you know, Gosford Park. That's Gosford Park. That's I mean, I know I mentioned it earlier, but that that one was uh, another one of my favorites. But so I'm excited for you to get into some Altman. I'm excited to uh, to to watch Popeye and perhaps some other Altmans. And I'm excited to to talk about it on our next episode. Excited in general. I've had a lot of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee. It's the sun's out. Well, Dan, as you are being dragged to the bad place by the shadow demons, I wish you a good journey. Good journey.